We're trying to create this world of network synergy, unity within this renewable development and being able to have different verticals that collaborate and work together, even if it's somebody from the very origination to somebody that's going to be in operation. How do we help bridge the gap? And we just try to make those connections. Welcome to the Land Department Podcast. The state of land and energy as we see it. Brent, what does 2R Group stand for? Oh, oh let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 2R. It's uh, Rindy and Rebecca. It's a couple of couple of title ladies we met, consultants we met, uh, gosh, months ago and been working together and uh, we just started having so many great conversations, laughing, cutting up, going down all kinds of wormholes, some appropriate, some not. And uh, <laughs> finally, I proposed to him. I said, would you be on my little podcast? And, uh, <laughs> we had a good laugh about it. I told him we have 12 fans and they're all of our mothers. Essentially, yep. those are the only people that follow. But uh, it, it was just too good of a, always too good a conversation to not try to put a podcast together. So, Rindy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're looking yeah. forward to this fun conversation. Yeah, we're sad that uh, Rebecca couldn't make it. What would? How would you uh, introduce Rebecca if you could? Rebecca is a wonder woe man. Um, she has a wealth of uh, expertise and experience that none of us and probably a whole football team will never accomplish. She has a level of understanding of the utility um, industry. And unlike I've never, I've, I've never seen anybody have such intellect and be so clear. And she's just a powerhouse. She's very well organized. She's a mighty little warrior is what she is. <laughs> she is. She's also a chicken because she didn't want to come on the podcast with us. <laughs> uh, she said, you guys are land folks. I can't contribute here. And we were like, you contribute more than you think. Yeah, uh, she no. does. Yeah, she's she, great. She, we, we have a couple of different verticals. How um, Rebecca and I came together is that we both worked at a commercial renewable development company. And I worked on the front side, what we call the front or origination side, and built the real estate and insurance team and did a lot of the early stage development and um, I was also the closer when I per when they purchased land and did a lot of that early stage um, diligence. Rebecca came on deck and was the asset manager for the you know pre-construction and construction, post-construction operational projects. This company had you know over about 300 projects that were operational that she was responsible for managing. So we both came from two different sides of this development. Uh, area. And when we both left, we knew that we really had this origination to operation experience in the life cycle of a development. So Rindy and Rebecca came together to do all things renewable and real estate. So that's the 2R group and the double entendre for the 2R when we came together. So we both bring together a lot that sometimes meets in the middle a lot of times it overlaps, um, but she does, as you know, Brett said, she brings a lot to the table. So she's missed, but we'll have to punk her a couple of times during the show. <laughs> That's right. No, the um, yeah, and we came across, uh, well, we're introduced to Rebecca and Rindy through um, um, a contact that we made at Dudley through a developer, and uh, she ended up, Paul ended up leaving, and and working with Rindy and Rebecca, helping them out on some of their jobs and connected us. And so, um, you know, like I said earlier, we really just kind of hit it off. We, we, our companies, they intermingle a lot and we've been able to help them out on some projects and they've been able to help us to have a clear understanding of the needs of our clients, uh, on the development side. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really good to, to work with the ladies and excited to have everybody, have you on the day and kind of talk about a little title. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, tell us a little bit about the renewable space a bit more. You know, a lot of our listeners are probably in the oil and gas space. We do have some listeners in the renewable space, but just give us a little introduction into what the most pressing challenges are as 
development and resources get poured into the renewables space going forward, what do you see as the most pressing things to be aware of? With all development, and I'll say this not just for renewable, but a developer has a target and, you know, it's the target of what they're going to develop, their improvement, whether that's a commercial property, a house, you know, a pipeline. And their eye is always on that prize. So when I'm talking to a renewable developer, their eye is on that wire. Their eye is on the prize of the connection to the utility. And when you start talking to them about the ground, the subsurface, the earth, it's not in their, their wheelhouse. So the biggest challenge is to educate your client and educate the actual person that needs it about why they need it and how important it is. So a lot of times I've had this conversation that it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing. Your, your development will not be worth anything until you vet the land. Well, your land's not worth anything until I develop something on it. So there's that balance that you have to have with your client to help them understand the importance, and especially the higher the value of the improvement, the higher the risk, that means the more important the land vetting and the title work is. So that's always my biggest challenge is that title is not sexy in development land. It's a monetary drain sucker out of everybody's, you know, wind out of everybody's sail. You don't normally on a title, um, you know, when you're working in a title vertical, you're not, you know, when they see you coming into a conference room, everybody, you know, tries to go like this because they know that you're going to say something that is going to cost them money or is a problem. We don't come in saying everything's great with your title. So that's the other part of swimming upstream and also being in a, a in an industry. Title is an industry that is not well received by a developer. It's a cost of doing business. It's a uh, unfortunate thing that they need to have. And unfortunately for a lot of developers, not just in renewable, but in any development, title is something that they think is just a checkbox. It's a thing I need, a commitment that I need to have, and I'm going to check it off. And even though there's a nuclear bomb inside that commitment, they've checked it off their list and they think that they can move on. Actually, they've lit the fuse to whoever has enough intellect or understands the complexities of the, that bomb. When they open it up, you know, so that's my biggest challenge is to educate the clients along the way that these things are necessary. Title is really important. And it, it, it is the one thing that I can tell you that my job will never, I'll never have a lack of job because title is always going to be required in any, with any developer, it doesn't matter, build a circus on the property. You need title. That's right. And. And, you know, the, the, the challenges and the pain points that Rudy pointed out is exactly probably what started y'all's company. I mean, you know, that there's a need, there's a certain amount of, you know, to Rudy's point, it's, um, it's people who are, are working for developer companies. They're, they're thinking about the prize, right? You know, build a solar uh, project connected to the grid and, and there's a checkbox that says, okay, I have, somebody says I have to do title. Let's do that. Um, and. The complexities are just, it can go from a little complex to very, to, to nuclear um, mm -hmm. before you know it. And so, Randy, maybe explain a little bit about what you guys do, like cradle to grave. What's your process? How do you, especially from the title standpoint, what's, mm -hmm. uh, where do you come in? What, where do you, where does 2R start? So we have, we have our guys, our um, smaller are our first original developers of these projects. We lovingly call them the two guys in a truck. They're usually the guys that are knocking on the doors and, and they actually, they're the ones that I hold a lot of stock in, in these projects because they're the ones that start the dream. They're the ones that see that wire and they're not looking at the land particularly yet only for the virtue of where it's located. Right. But they're the ones that start that dream of the project they are the ones that originate the leases and those clients will come to us either prior to um, getting the site control, meaning purchase contract, lease, uh, LOI. They will come to us sometimes and say, hey, I want to pull a deed. Now, these are the clients that we've tried to educate 
that it's super important because more times than not, they knock on the door and introduce themselves. And the person at the door says, hi, my name is Will Smith. And um, they have this conversation. And sometimes what happens is, is that psych control gets originated, gets executed. And then they hand me the signed contract before they've done any diligence, like even pulling a title. They've taken the landowner's word for it. They've looked at the county's GIS and decided that Will Smith is the guy's name. And then I search, I get a title quote for them. We send the search out. This is the variable too, is that an uneducated or uninformed uh, developer has in the past just ordered title. And they'll go by just the normal standards of what titles title is so they'll call a title company and say hey we need a title they're going by their checkbox and title will say yeah great title and they'll only do a search for the a 30-year or a minimally required search back but that is not enough for financing that is not enough for insurability for the solar development so there's been times that my clients those early stage developers will come to me and say here's my lease and here's my title commitment can you tell me what's wrong a, you're not in the right, the lease is under Will Smith and the guy's name is William John Smith III. So you're out of sight control because his name is not correct. But B, the search is not far enough back that this is not an, a, an acceptable enough search. So we are, at to our group, we're trying very hard to change that checklist that has been circulated in, in days of yore that everybody continues to go by. And sometimes there's a lot of times that in my vertical of land diligence, the cart has been put in front of the horse. Like, guys, we need to do the deed pull first. Then we're going to know who we're going into the, the lease with. We're going to ask questions like, do you have debt on this property? Are you going to go into default if you enter site control with me because your lender doesn't allow you to go into anything that secures the property? Those questions, <coughs> excuse me, were not being asked because there was this gold rush of renewable energy and it was a, about getting that site control under, under contract. And the minute that that checkbox was done, the developer can then go and get in line and apply for that utility connection, that PPA, even though they're not in site control with the right person, they're not, they don't have some complexities. And so then it's kind of like clean up on aisle five, the minute that the title comes in, that we're saying you're out of site control, you need an amended and restated lease, we've got to do this, we've got to, you know, get an MOL recorded. So we're trying to help the early stage developers be better developers, help them have a monetary value of vetting the project a little better by, you know, when they sell these projects, those early stage developers sometimes just sell the lease and say, I've tied up this land. It's monetarily worth more money when it's with the right landowner, when that buyer's not going to have to amend and restate something when an MOL has already been recorded and you're just purchasing the, the correct membership interest. So we're trying to educate those landowner or those developers that are doing early stage. Then we continue to, I call it ride the solar coaster that we're trying to connect ourselves with these projects because of our experience from origination to operation that the buyers of those projects, we try to also contract with. They see that to our group has been working on the title. There's 25 things that still need to be mitigated. And we help them continue that to the point that <clears throat> we're contracted with the developer that ends up taking it to notice to proceed or NTP. We help them. I work with the surveyors and the engineers to help design the site and adhere to the title complexities and help the lenders and the project owners obtain their title policies for those projects as it goes through milestone. And then Rebecca's standing there with her big catcher's mitt 
that most of these projects are sold to one or more of the clients that we work for from an asset management perspective. So these are projects that once they get under operation, they're sold pretty pretty heavily. It's a pooled commodity that these projects are sold quite often, especially in the first couple of years of operation. And they end up at our camp where we're actually the asset manager. So we have a lot of intel of that project. In a three to five year period, we've watched that project go from it being two leases and the two guys in the truck brought the project to us to it going through these phases of milestones and developers till it was built and now it's in operation. So that's what 2R does. <laughs> that's it. And, and, and she's exactly right. I mean, I think when you see this, this pattern over and over again and the same mistakes being made and the same hurdles you have to jump when you maybe have a buyer on the line, um, God, we look at these issues and say, man, it could be prevented. And it's so easily could be prevented. And that's a lot of what we do and, and the work and the conversations we have with Rindy and her group is, you know, when can you get, uh, what steps in the process can you take early to, to minimize those risks? You know, when the two guys in the truck are out negotiating leases, there's a lot of intel that you can do on the title side of things mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time to decide, hey, you know what, maybe this, this prize isn't as shiny as we think it is. You know, maybe yeah, it's under the line, it, it meets all these things, but you've got a mineral bomb. Or, you know, there's a lien against the property that you're going to have to figure out. Um, <clears throat> all those things, are, it's, it's a constant reminder and education of, of um, you know, of our clients. Of, hey, you can avoid some of these things if you do certain things um, mm -hmm. in advance. Um, and that's well, kind of where our mineral work comes in with, with Rindy and, and her team as well. Absolutely. That's what I was just going to say is that. Um, where we started working together is that we have projects that are uh, on, you know, prospective or um, suspected mineral sites so that we know that there's severances in those projects. And there's times that the title company will require a subsurface search based upon an initial search of surface or just on a known fact, like this is a highly you know, high level of mineral interest. So the title company will allow us to, or allow the client, I should say, to engage their own landman to go out and do that subsurface search. And this is one thing that I wanted to highlight that, that Brent and I have talked about that I think is really important to understand is that there's a huge difference in the way that gas and oil searches and mitigates their title, their their actual land or, you know, the subsurface issues, then renewable energy does. Renewable energy wasn't used to having subsurface issues. Like I said, they hardly look at the ground itself, much less think about that there's issues that would be subsurface. And so they're, again, their checkbox is to get a commitment because they know that that's what is necessary, but they didn't and they still haven't made this conscious understanding that by getting that title commitment and putting it in a data room for a potential buyer to see, they're actually and potentially highlighting a problem. Now, gas and oil people, this is the thing that Britt and I have had talk conversations about, which I think that the renewable energy should adapt a little bit of this uh, logic to, is that they hire a qualified landman, especially when they know that this is going to have subsurface issues. And they go out and do that search and they mitigate those things that they find along the way that they're internally as a company, as a developer, with the coordination of this vendor of a qualified landman going through the diligence and vetting that issue before they throw that landmine to the title company. Like, and, and then I cannot emphasize this point more. An underwriter has a huge amount of responsibility. They're insuring risk. And that's the last thing that any of a title underwriter wants is to have a title claim. So if a searcher brings them a scrap of risk, and I mean a scrap, that is just 
magnified by that underwriter. And that underwriter hangs on to that scrap forever until even after that policy is purchased. So there is really a good reason for the renewable industry to take note of how gas and oil have, has done it, where they do the searches and they do some mitigation and they do not allow the title company or the underwriter to get that nasty taste in their mouth from whatever that defect was that it's not that they don't have to see it. Nobody's hiding anything. It's that we searched this. There was a very big gap in airship. We drilled down. We found the missing person. We figured this out. Yes. Half of the interest was, you know, lost in a poker game, but we found that guy and he's given us the quick claim rather than Everybody always thinks the, you know, an underwriter thinks the worst case scenario. Again, all you have to do is give them a scrap. So I really feel like that's where Brett and I were, are, are, and will start to change the industry and help our clients be educated about there's a better way to do this without having the, the complications of, of title being involved. And yeah. so- that, that I just wanted to point out that what a huge difference it was for me to learn about how gas and oil handled it. And then for you guys, for all the gas and oil people to learn how the, the renewable industry was handling it. They were kind of letting the bombs go off and hoping that they could get these things figured out. Yeah. It's all about marketability and, and efficiency, right? You know, if, if, if you've gone down the line two years uh, with your solar lease and now you're going to try to get this deal sold or you're wanting to move into development construction and you don't know what issues you have there and, and then you hit a bomb and then it costs you a deal. It costs you time. It costs you another six, eight months to get something cleaned up. You've lost that advantage. Maybe somebody else has slid in and, and been able to get their deal done ahead of you. Um, maybe you've lost the, uh, a sale because this thing is not marketable because you have 200 mineral owners and, and, you know, Rindy's right. It, it really boils down to how, how pretty can this package be when you send it to your underwriter, right? How, how clean is it? Have you identified the issues and fixed them? And that's kind of one of the things that, that is, is different. You know, Rindy mentions there's a checklist and you kind of go through these steps and you work through it. Um, and that's all fine. It, it, it'll get you there some of the time until it doesn't, um, until it costs you a ton or you can't get your deal done in oil and gas. It's, it's, she's right. We typically are able to fix those problems going before we put a, a bit in the ground to drill on oil and gas. Well, um, we're doing research. We do title curative on every title and every run sheet that we prepare in an oil and gas project. Um, and landmen are very well adept to, to be able to do that curative. We do nothing but airship affidavits day in and day out. Uh, we do possession affidavits on the surface. Um, we, we're finding people, we're securing oil and gas leases, um, and how that translates to the renewable side is we're identifying those issues. We're fixing those gaps. We're providing an out of probate in another County, uh, in our rent sheet that's, that would have been received otherwise. Uh, if you just do your traditional kind of surface title, uh, title run, um, and, and we're able to pull all that stuff together and hopefully what you want to strive for is for your development clients, your solar developer clients is to be able to have a high success rate. Like, you know, if they're going to buy a lease on a, on a piece of land, it obviously checks all the boxes for interconnection and, and, uh, you know, getting that, that, that product into the grid. But, um, man, if you can get them to where they're they're each one of these jobs is getting done and getting to construction or getting sold successfully and efficiently, that's what you want to strive for. The difference primarily is tolerance for spending. Right. You, you, you're making a good point because the, the thing that I've tried to tell the renewable developers about this aspect is that you almost are setting yourself up for extortion. And I mean that directly and bluntly that they sign the lease, they apply for the interconnection. And in, in some markets, those interconnection applications, just so that everybody knows what kind of dollar amounts that we're talking about, literally, They've just signed the lease and they, you know, they haven't done any diligence. It's with Will Smith, not the correct landowner. Then they go and apply and they will spend 
$850,000 and above on one application for their project. And then the other diligence of, you know, the phase ones or, you know, the wetland delineations, all of, all of those other big spends, those are really big spends. So within a very short period of time, before they even have title work done, a, a project could have a spend of over a few million dollars. So then to me, that, that puts that, that investment and that onus of seeing that project get built more to that developer. So then when you say to them, now you've got this problem that you've got to go to 55 different subsurface owners and you're going to have to pay them. Well, they've already spent over two and a half million dollars. Their spin is like every day, every day, ding, 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 ding. That's all they hear is ching, 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 ching. So those landowners, those subsurface owners, anybody that they have to buy something from or get, get something from, they're more willing. I mean, they wouldn't admit this, but subconsciously or consciously, however you want to look at it, they have to be more willing to pay because of the spend that they already have. Yeah. And the higher that spin, which is crazy to me, the higher the spin, the You're higher that they're it. willing to pay. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. Oh, I, no. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, but that's the game that they pay, they play. And when now I've tried to educate those, those developers, the, the, the first phase, first two phase developers that by you getting that project, that land, the title, what I'm going to call policy More ready, not yeah. shovel ready. Yeah. Look at the value because then you could come back to them and say, I saved potentially millions of dollars in subsurface waiver fees. I saved because you caught that before you'd spent so much money and that, you know, it's kind of like when you go in to buy a car, you have to be willing to like, eh, nah, I don't really want to buy it. See you later. Yeah. Have a nice day. But yeah. if you go in there needing a car and you cannot leave that place without a car, you'll end up paying way more than you can afford for yeah. that car. And it's just a vicious so cycle. I mean, you just it's keep a throwing very good vicious money at cycle that they set themselves up for. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and it can be avoided. You know, we get it all the time. I mean, we put out four or five quotes for mineral tile. A, a week very easily we do one a day around here and you know we'll lose a bid over a thousand dollars right um it, it happens all the time and when the fact is in two weeks time you can run your mineral title know what your exposure is know if you have any other issues hiding and lurking before you spend your 200 300 800 dollars for your permitting to move forward and even for a matter of fact before you even buy that lease that, that title and that work can be done if you've engaged with the right group that is there and you're, you're partnering with that group and you put it at the forefront as, hey, this is marketable title is an, an important part of this process. You can't it's get the to the finish line. It's the change of the checklist. Yeah. That's, that's what has to happen here. It's the change of the checklist because we all see how it, you know, both, both sides see how this can unfold detrimentally and every project that doesn't do it, in my opinion, a more correct way or, or early diligence way. You, you, I, you can't even quantify the number, the amount of money of extra spend on that project because title wasn't diligent. Di, you know, the, the focus wasn't initially on title, but that's the problem. You know, here lies the problem of development. Yeah. Title is not the number one factor and that's not the stopgap. You know, I have a couple of great clients that have become very enlightened and we now have this, you know, the pen doesn't work until the deed pool has been done. So unless that executive has seen that to our group has done some early stage diligence, meaning a deed pool that we know for sure we're going into at least right now, the right person, he, his pen now has gone dry. His ink is gone dry. And that that's like euphoric for me because now he sees that he went back after three months and he goes, I really see monetarily how you have saved us money because I'm not signing so many amendment and restatements. I'm not having to sign so many ex uh, extensions for landowners. I'm not having to sign as much, many things. And 
it, it, it's also part of the problem with this gold rush, right? So this is something else that we were talking about. It's really interesting how developers, when they see that wire or they've been given an initiative, all of us know that the United States has passed a huge um, environment or energy initiative that is in, you know, giving a lot of incentives to renewable energy. And it created another one of these waves of gold rush and getting in line in these queues for the utility um, applications sometimes takes years. Like the utilities will take years to do the studies or it'll take you. So their, their biggest hope is to hurry up and get in that line. And if that line means getting side control with Will Smith and then hurrying up and cleaning up that aisle on, on five, that's worth it to them. So they, um, they create exceptions to the rules because of the utility lines, the, the lines that they have to get into. And again, back to this focus on their, their, their development, there's been times where we've been working for a long time on early stage development on a project and it looks great. And then they're like, Oh, the utility report didn't come back, you know, good, favorable. So we're killing this deal. So all the other variables are there. You know, the land is good. The landowner's great. There was a title policy before everything's wonderful. And then they're like, it's Oh, sorry. You know, the, the queue was too full. So we're not working on this project again. Yeah. So, Trying to come up with that balance, I know from a renewable uh, from their side is is hard. However, the other thing that we've done in this gold rush in development and the developers trying to get these incentives is that we've also screwed up market values and lease rate values, and you know those kind of things have have impacted a lot of communities that has put an a, really bad taste of renewable energy in a lot of local farmers or local families mouse because of the fact that in the endeavor of getting that side control and checking that box, they, the, the developers of your paid triple what land values were triple what lease rates were in order to get it off the street. And the sad part about it is, is that that lease was sold four or five times. So that initial person that went and said to that landowner, hello, I'm going to be your partner for 40 years and we're going to be buddies. He doesn't even remember his name anymore. Yeah. So that saturated the, the um, respect, I think, and also the viability of this uh, industry that needs to be changed, that these people, it's their land, that it, it has value to it. They need to be respected. They need to be a party to this lease for 40 years. And so handling these people, whether you need to get something from them and not letting them extort you and also making them a party to the project is a super important thing in this that sometimes also is a, a, a missing ingredient in some of the cakes that get staked out here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the unfortunate consequence of competition, right? We see yes. it in any, in it, we've seen it in, oil and gas for 120 years. You've seen it in cell phone towers, you know, years back, you see it the pipeline yeah. industry and right of way industry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's how, just how these things work and there is a land grab and, and that's the balance that we're, we're really trying to, to meet is, Hey, you, you don't want to slow down your land grab. You have to have site control, mm -hmm. but how can we make informed, educated decisions about pulling the trigger on site control? Uh, while, you know, maximizing our potential and actually get this deal to the finish line. And that's yep. what we all try to, to do is, is to try to, you know, be able to provide a service, provide a product, minimize risk, uh, and be a partner to, to help our developer clients get to the finish line. And, and for us as a company that where our success has been is where you can really have that partnership. You know, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not going out and getting bids for, you know, a $7,000 tire project. It's, you know, hey, Dudley Land or whatever broker, you're going to be our, our at 2R, you're going to be our land department. These are our, our goals and objectives. We're going to, you're going to work with our acquisition team. And, you know, before the, the pen, you know, gets wet to be able to sign, you're going to have checked these boxes. And the fact is all that work can be done very quickly and, and, and reasonably priced. 
um, and, and get you to the point where when you sign that check or you sign that lease, you have some confidence or at least you know what you're getting into. Prime example, client of ours reached out to us this week. Hey man, do you have a contact with Blackstone? Blackstone is one of the biggest monster timber companies. Oh, they actually co-develop all of gas projects as well. Um, and, and they're asking me about if I've got a contact that can help them, you know, maybe talk about getting a waiver on their mineral interest. Well, the fact of the matter is I didn't want to tell him, I told him very nicely, I wouldn't expect to get a mineral waiver from Blackstone Minerals. You know, they're a major timber company, they're a major oil and gas developer on both sides. And there's no telling how much money has been spent to get to that point to, you know, give them the bad news. Um, so there's all those things, right? And it could have been an avoided thing. And, um, you know, ultimately, it, again, you see those with any kind of new industry. When you have land grabbed, is people take risk. Do I have land or do I have good land? And ultimately- I've never the, seen so much risk since I was at Vegas last week. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's unbelievable. And, they um, take big risks. They win big, but they take very big risks. They can in also our lose big. Belief. You know, you know, they can lose big. And, and ultimately, yep. we've had this conversation too, Rindy, about, you know, we're in a very early stage relatively in, mm -hmm. in the solar development uh, initiative. Uh, the wind space was where we are now in solar 15 years ago. <clears throat> and yeah. when you look at the wind players in the business right now, you got a few majors, right? And they, they operate efficiently. They make smart decisions. You know, they've learned these lessons and we experience it because we work with them. You know, they're hiring us to do these things earlier in the mm -hmm. process than a lot of our solar clients are, uh, or at least the ones we can't get to <laughs> quickly mm -hmm. enough to inform and educate and, and get them comfortable with spending a little bit of money. This is your pre-insurance insurance. That's right. Uh, a little bit of investment can help you make a smart deal and, and buy a project that that you can get to the finish line. So um, it, it will get there. And ultimately the solar space will mature. It will consolidate. The, the most efficient and best operators and best funded groups that, that are making smart decisions and, and are able to get the most projects uh, built are going to be the ones that survive. And mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be right there with them and we'll have a little part in helping them make good decisions. Well, I, that's, that's the beauty is that we will all, this industry title will always be a necessity. It's not, it's not anybody's top favorite priority by any stretch but i think that again the the vetting of the title the vetting of the land as a renewable development and developers become more educated they're going to see monetarily like there's going to be some algorithm that's going to be started that they're going to start to see that wow it really does pay off that whole saying that you know probably every one of our grandmothers said you pay now or pay later you know, they're going to start to realize that that early spin of, say, a couple of thousand dollars for a title search, even, you know, even a, a preliminary search was worth the money than to wait until you had all those factors that we've talked about. The fact that you've got to go back to a landowner, you have to do a subsurface search, you might have to pay them for surface waivers or try to buy their rights, all of those things. Um you know, this kind of also reminds me of another thing that was out of a checklist mentality that, again, somebody, I wish I could get their name and number because I would have a conversation with them about who wrote this checklist. But Shame on you, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Checklist there, Person. That's <laughs> Not <right>. you, Randy. <laughs> There's, there, there are certain counties that require, so for you to go into getting a permit, you have to provide them with a title commitment and then everyone that has interest has to be sent a letter and you have to show that county that you've noticed anybody that has interest that you're going to be developing, that you're applying for a permit, whether it's a driveway permit or building permit, something like that. So I, what I found out, I didn't know how out of cycle or out of sync the cycle was. I had several of my clients going, you know, where's my title commitment? Where did, you know, and I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. But who was asking me for it in their dev shop was somebody that was not who I thought should be asking me for a commitment. So I'm like, aren't you on zoning? Why are you zoning person asking me for a commitment? Zoning person said, because I have to give this commitment to the zoning department and send out these letters. 
And I said, but you understand that that commitment has subsurface interests. So you're telling me that you're sending it to, you know, they had the MOR, they have all the contacts of everybody that we were going to have to go out for surface waivers for, but they sent letters out to these surface interest owners and to the fee owners. No, because right. The, the surface we're in contract with them or they're, they're our landlord. Right. But these subsurface owners were getting this letter that would say, Hey, we're coming to your, your, uh, our interest soon. And we're going to be building. And we just thought we'd let you know. So when we come for a piece of paper, we'll be sure to have our checkbook out. Hey. So I didn't realize that. And when I sent it to my developer, just like that, they were like, oh my gosh, that I didn't even connect. They were just doing what zoning, what the county had told them. You know, this is part about doing what you're being told, right? And not understanding how it affects a different vertical that I said, so now when I go knocking on this guy's door, he's going to, I, I will be thinking that I'm knocking on the subsurface interest door for the first time. Hello, how you doing? Here's my baked cookies. We'd like you to sign a surface waiver or no, they've got my letter and they see solar all over it and they're waiting for me to come with my checkbook. I don't care about your cookies. Give me a check. Right. <laughs> so like just, just the slight change. In that process, what we did was I said, how about this? How about let's change the verbiage to those subsurface interests? I'm not saying that you don't have to check that box, but let's change something that says we we know what your interest is. So that's the other thing. They were just blindly saying we, we know you have an interest. There's a big difference in having a conversation with somebody that has a 95% interest and somebody that has a 0.002% interest. You know what I mean? So now that I'm telling you, Mr. Subsurface Owner, I know you only have a 0.002% interest. We're going to be coming to you and talking to you about a surface waiver. And if you don't want to sign it, then we'll give you a specific piece of land for you to continue your rights for us to co-locate. And, and trying to have some verbiage in that letter that indicates that uh, I, I'm not just coming with my checkbook. And that was a game changer because that those projects, there was like four or five projects that we couldn't figure out why the spend was so high. We're like, why did this project go so over budget? And we're like, well, we had to spend, yeah, $80,000 on surface waivers. So the difference in that, that notification, the communication with that surface, you know, just like you said, Brett, there's a lot of times with a timber company, they're not sign in a surface waiver or they're not selling you the right. Like you're going to yeah. have to figure out something else. That's not a monetary thing that you're going to get from them. There's yeah. no dollar amount that you could budget for that. Yeah. And that's a, but, but I, that's the same thing for aunt Betsy. She could, she could hold that same card and prevent your project from being developed with having that one holdout that has a, a huge interest, yeah. you know, so they and just don't the realize the gamble that they take in that notification. And one of the things that, that we're experiencing as well is some of our developer clients just assume that, well, why wouldn't they sign a waiver? You know, why wouldn't they do it? Well, the fact is it's, it's, there's a monetary value associated with mineral interest, especially in oil and gas producing states. Um, yep. Texas obviously is where I'm at. It's my backyard. We see a ton. If you don't know about minerals development and oil and gas development, in Texas, you've been in a hole somewhere. Right. Um, and so, you know, it kind of goes back to where does this title process start? You can do this very early in your process as a developer for minimal cost comparatively, uh, and help you make decisions. You don't have to buy a, a surface lease on a parcel of land that, you know, has 50 owners or maybe has Blackstone under it, right? You can right. make that decision early on because you know, you're not going to get that waiver and therefore you're not going to get time to write. It's just assume understand it, accept it, move on. But you can make that decision years or months in advance um, as opposed to getting so far down the line and realizing, oh God, you know, what do we do? And then what do you do? You continue to throw good money at that. And it's just yep. a vicious cycle. <clears throat> so, you know, one of the, how we're trying to negate that, how we're trying to get ahead of that with, with the clients that we work with, um, you know, more in a partnership is 
hey, we're going to do this title ahead of time. We're going to be able, you know, very cursory research, help you identify or at least make an informed decision. Yeah, you know, before you sign that lease or you pay for that service lease, mm-hmm. you're going to know how much of the mineral interest that surface owner controls. So by virtue of securing that surface lease, you've then secured a waiver on X percentage of your mineral rights, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we target tracks that have high mineral interest associated with the surface ownership. Um, mm-hmm. All that work can be done very early in the process, especially if you feel, you know, really good about being able to get your interconnect and get your permitting and all that stuff put together. So, um, you know, it's just, again, moving certain parts of your examination up the checklist can, can really you, just an ounce of prevention. Really Yeah, you're you're making a really, really good point that needs to be made here. So as I said, there's a lot of title companies that when we go out for a quote and they know that there's subsurface interest, they'll say, we don't allow anybody else to search those subsurface. We're going to do the surface and the subsurface. We we have our own internal people, our own vendors. We're not going to even tell you who they are. We have ultimate control and all we get back is that title commitment. And those for me are the worst possible scenarios that I don't recommend to my client because I have no communication with that abstractor or that's that land company. You have and no product. You have the rent You have sheet. no product, you have right? No you can't, that's right. You have none of that. And, you know, like one of the projects that Brett is working on for us right now, we, we have had a hiccup and, and here's what happened is that that, project got sent to another a title company and that title company their stance is that they'll search back a certain number of years depending on the state so say they said that they'll search back 110 or 150 years and if they don't find anything meaning subsurfacely then they would issue a commitment without a general mineral exception and we wouldn't have to do a subsurface search so they said no problem we'll do this search and six months later they said, we found all of these minerals. It's really bad. We can't finish this. They couldn't complete it. Their abstractor, their land company, their internal person could not facilitate the job. So then we called up Trustee Dudley and said, hey, we need your help. That the title company, we actually switched title companies because that was a really big fail on that particular title company's um, abilities that they couldn't even, you know, in six months communicate well to us that they couldn't get this uh, project committed and give us a commitment. So we have a new title company. We hired Dudley. We made sure that now we're in control. Dudley is engaged directly by the client. They're going to be able to deliver him the product. They're also going to be able to not only be that abstract or that searcher that title's relying on, you know, to give them all the documentation. But Dudley's able to take off their searcher hat and also put on their mitigator hat. Like, wow, we just found this document. And if right now we get this person to sign off on this and record something, this isn't an issue. Going back to how we were talking earlier about how gas and oil mitigate first before they submit to title. So, Dudley's doing that for us and we see already the difference because <clears throat> that we know now why that project was so hard is because Dudley's been out there working and they're like, oh, wow, yes, there is. There's a very big problem on this. Now we have enough information with Dudley that we can go back to the client and say, this isn't something that Title would have given them either. Title would have waited to throw the bomb on them when they finished this problem. But Dudley is saying, guys, we really do have a problem. Let's talk about it. This is how <laughs> you can fix it. Because no. if if you don't want to fix it, let's let's cut this piece of property off now, or let's let you know this black hole is there, or let's try to do what we can to fix it now. We wouldn't have had those conversations with the title company. So Dudley, in in the case that he's working for renewable energy in this particular case with this client, he's actually wearing two hats. There's two lanes of revenue for him on a search aspect that he's delivering that search to the the title company. 
and he's going to help mitigate whatever is necessary that the client can't handle or the client needs advice on or the client needs guidance on. There's a variable of those services like, hey, what would you do? There's a lot of clients that want to take that you know, personal approach. Like, I don't want you guys to talk to my landowner. His brother will be upset, but Dudley can prepare that surface waiver and explain what the client needs to say to that landowner and help get that mitigated. So there's, there's a huge amount of cooperation now that is going on to mitigate this title just by the virtue of that we're using Dudley, that we're using a land company instead of letting title control the game. Yeah. And it changes the whole financial and risk, you know, um, perspective from the title on that project. Yeah. It's all about minimizing risk. And, and, you know, that's a good point to make what we've seen that same thing happen over and over. You know, the Rindy's case is, is not uncommon. Um, and, and our side of things. And from our perspective, it's not uncommon for companies have to wait months and months to get a title commitment. It should be done in weeks, uh, but it's months and months. Um, it's what spurred us to create our own title company. You know, we just started Dudley Select Title here in Texas, and we're going to be able to to go from the acquisition phase to the surface title phase, the, all the mineral and mitigation work that needs to be done, Huge. and ultimately be able to write a title policy all in one shop and all with a, a cohesive, uh, you know, communication line from the developer to the underwriting. And that all happens in our shop, and our customers, our clients have access to all the information. They've got access to the rent sheets. They've got access to the the, the mitigation work that was done. Uh, they've got access to the ownership reports. We're running these waiver projects just like we would an oil and gas leasing project, where you've got database, you've got you know contact information, contact notes, you've got uh, mapping that shows how your mineral tracks uh, overlay and relate to your surface tracks, mm -hmm. uh, and where those differences might lie and where we've secured 100% of the waivers and where we've secured 42% of the waivers. Um, again, efficient process. And it kind of all goes back to these same things, minimizing your risk, uh, making efficient and smart informed decisions and, and being able to, to, you know, get through this process quickly when you need to, uh, and having it be less jointed and, and disconnected. The more you can have this thing linear and, and working vertically and seamlessly, with the consultants, with our developers, the better off you can be. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's an exciting thing for us. We, it, it didn't take us long to realize that there was a pain point there and there was a problem and, and there's something that we, you know, we felt we could, we could fix and, and be a solution. So uh, working with Rindy and, and groups like hers has been tremendous for us because it helps us understand, you know, okay, what are you seeing? This is all happening so fast. It's just this big intelligence thing. It's like, okay, what are we, What's wrong here? We see these problems. How do we understand the developer's perspective so that we can provide a solution? And uh, ultimately, that's what we're all working for. And champions like Randy that, that are really trying to echo what we're saying on our end. That's why we hit it off so much. I mean, we've, mm -hmm. we've driven down the road and talked for a long time about this, you know, because it's how can we articulate, you know, our perspective <clears throat> and how can we make it make sense? Uh, what examples can we show? How can we be the answer? How can we be the solution? How can ultimately we want our clients to be successful? Um, mm -hmm. and, and so does Randy. And, and if we can bring them success, well then, Hey, then we're a partner and not just a vendor and ultimately partnerships and relationships and trust are what keep you in business, you know, for as long as you want to be, uh, we don't want to be a title mercenary. We want to be a partner. We want to be able to help our clients. We're a service organization, not just some vendor. And uh, that's why they, the two R's and the Dudleys get along so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of alignment here. And I think that education is so important. Uh, I love that that uh, that phrase, title mercenaries. I'm gonna have to save that one for the for the a bunch of other phrases that probably aren't. They don't call me Brendanator for nothing. That's my Brendanator. <laughs> Man, that's great. Well, Rindy, how can uh, how can listeners get in touch with you about your services about Two R Group? Um, uh, my email address is Rindy at the Two R Group dot com. You can also call or email Rebecca at Rebecca at the Two R Group dot com. Paula at Paula at the two R group.com. And um, 
you can give us a call. We also have our website, the 2rgroup.com. Um, again, we have a, a ton of different levels of um, assistance that we offer to the different um, development stages. Um, Paula has a, an, an amazing background in um, legal contractual work. We try to, um, that's one thing that I wanted to just emphasize. So two R's is, is again, Rindy and Rebecca, but we, over the years in our experience as developers, have made a lot of connections with people that are very experienced, like Brent, like Paula, that we call our strategic partners. So when we're dealing with clients that need a level of expertise that maybe we cannot facilitate or that we want to collaborate, we want to bring in somebody, you know, hey, we have an engineer, we have a really good apps, uh, you know, landman that does a lot of different types of abstracting. They can help you with your surface and your subsurface. We have a, you know, surveyor that can facilitate. So we have gathered, and that's why we call them, they're our strategic partners. They're people that we trust, believe in, we want to work with, we want to refer, we want to help their business, they help our business. There's no competition. We all are working on these same projects. All of us have the same goal, to see more renewable energy put into the ground. We all want to work sometimes on the same project. We all don't have the same vertical. Sometimes our verticals are very similar that we can collaborate together. There's big lifts in these projects. So there's enough fish for all of us to eat. So to our group has a very extensive network of what we call our strategic partners for this development solar coaster that I call from origination to operation. And if to our group, can't facilitate it, we have a strategic partner or we know a strategic partner that can help. So that's one of the niches that we have is that we're not somebody that believes in not, you know, no competition. We don't want you to get the job. We can't do the job. So nobody should get the job kind of mentality. We want everybody to succeed in this industry. And we try to be a magnet to people like Brett, to people in the industry that have the same mindset that there's some things that are off sync that we all could collectively start to, to change the direction of this boat. We can all collectively have these kind of conversations where we're outreaching to our networks and making changes. So this is really a, a, a part of why to our group came together is that we didn't want to work for any one developer. Both Rebecca and I could very successfully continue to work for one sole developer. And we really saw the niche in the fact that when we've put ourselves in a position where we don't allow our clients to put us in a non-compete environment, and we've shown those clients by the fact that we can say to them, we are working with another client in this market that this did not work out well, or this is those things that you should do. Actually, our network and our clientele actually help benefit everybody. So we're trying to create this world of um, network synergy, unity within this renewable development and, and, and being able to have different verticals that collaborate and work together, even if it's somebody from the very origination to somebody that's going to be an operation. How do we help bridge the gap? And we just try to make those connections. Yeah. And that's a great point <clears throat> that the network and access to information is huge. Um, we work for a number of clients and the developers out in Silver Rindy that they're not operating in just one state. They've got projects going in 15 states. And, yeah. you know, you need a network of people who can get you to a regional expert, get you to the appropriate person that can get the job done for you in that part of the world. And that experience and exposure is huge. And that network of trusted people is a big deal. You know, you don't want to be working. You don't want to be working off of just the cheapest quote or whatever, you know, you might be dealing with or you might have in front of you. You want to work with trusted partners and you want to have someone in your on your side that can help guide you, you know, through that process. And uh Rindy and them do a great job. They've been a pleasure to work with. We're excited to continue to work with them and 
Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as always, we could have, we kept it clean, which is nice. That was a positive. I know. We'll have you, <laughs> didn't we'll throw have anybody back. too far under the bus today. <laughs> That's for the next show. We'll have that That's one for the, the next show. Uh, for the cocktail hour next time. But uh, Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate this too, just exactly what you're saying, that it really makes me feel great that we have some synergy and that there's an opportunity for us to start having conversations about the importance of, of title mitigation and helping to spread the word and educate people. So I really appreciate the opportunity, Brent. It was really, really nice to have a chat with you. I always love chatting with you. <laughs> the chats are fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, we'll make it happen again soon. Love it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank, thank you, you both. And uh, appreciate you being on the land department. Thanks, Bye-bye. Man. Thanks for listening to the land department. Check out our website in the show notes or visit dudley-land.com to learn more about us.